the name of God, the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I want to congratulate you all for being here today. This is the, uh, this is the in it to win it crowd. So, uh, God bless you for that. Um, we're in the season of Epiphany. Epiphany is a Greek word. It means literally a light that's shining out. We're going to now, between now and Ash Wednesday, we're going to have, on Sunday morning, we're going to have um, moments in the life of Jesus when we see who he is, when we see that he is both the Son of Man and the Son of God. We're going to see the light of the Father shining in the face of the Son. We're going to find out who he is and 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 what he's doing for us, what he's what he's doing for us, what he has done and what he is doing for us. And the, the first story that we always go to immediately after the Epiphany, after the wise men arrive, is we go to the baptism of Jesus on the Jordan River. Now, God has a plan to save the world, and his plan is to make a special people for himself. And and his glory, his radiance, the radiance of the divine presence, will dwell in the midst of these people. And they will, they will uh, reflect his glory to the world by the way they live towards God and by the way they live towards each other. They have not been able to do this. They have had, the prophets of Israel say, hard hearts. Hearts that are stony towards God and hearts that are stony to each other, to, to their neighbors. And the prophets have warned them to repent, which means, uh, yes, to be sorry, but it means to turn again to God, to listen to God, and to live according to God's ways, to live according, uh, to love God with your whole heart and to love your neighbor as, as yourself. They have not been able to do this. They have uh, refused the word of the prophet Disaster has befallen them. They've been conquered. They've been taken into exile. And in that devastated state. And the exile is, you know, it's not only an outward thing, it's an inward thing. It's not only a geographical separation from God, but it's a spiritual separation from God. And this is the human problem. The human problem is that we're in exile. And we want to go home. We want to be, we want to return. We want to be Reunited, we want to be uh, reconstituted as God's people. And God sends the prophet Isaiah to speak comfortably to his people and tell them that they will go home. And they do go home. But the, the, the stony heart problem persists even after they get home. And although they've gotten back, although there's been a return, there hasn't been a return. Although there's been a redemption, there hasn't been a redemption. Although there's been a, a, a restitution, there hasn't been a restitution. And so here's John the Baptist, and he's on the bank of the Jordan River. And he's, he's saying, brothers and sisters, we need to begin again. We need to go back to the very beginning. Remember when we went through the waters of the Red Sea? and the honeymoon that we had with God then. We need to go back to that. We need to go out and come in again. We need to remember how we came from the desert into the Holy Land and how the Jordan River opened up for us. We need to, we need to go out and come in again. We need a new beginning. 
We need to wash away the old and to turn to God with all our hearts so that uh, we can have a new life with God and a new life with each other. Now, the prophets of Israel, John's the last of the prophets, and the prophets of Israel have called for this repentance and they've called for this return over and over and over again and over and over and over again. The return, the restitution, the recreation has been frustrated by the problem of the stony heart. Now, there's another promise in the prophets. Jeremiah speaks about it, and Ezekiel speaks about it. God says, here's what I'm going to do. My people are hard-hearted towards me. They're hard-hearted towards each other. They do not heed the, 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 the call to repentance. They do not heed the call to return to God with their whole hearts. They need a new heart, but they can't get there. Here's what I'm going to do. Jeremiah talks about it. Ezekiel talks about it. I'm going to send my sermon, my anointed one. He's going to bring the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he's going to pour out the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to give my people a new heart. Ezekiel says, thus says the Lord, I'm going to take away your stony heart, and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. And then my people will return to me with their whole hearts, and then they'll be sorry for their sins. Then they'll be sorry for their hard-heartedness. Then they'll be sorry for their rebellion and their resistance to me. And they'll return to me with their whole heart. And they'll offer me praise and adoration and worship. And they'll offer love and service to each other. And it will well up in them from a grateful heart, from this new heart that I'm going to give them. You see how the, how the sequence has been reversed. It's not repent. This is what God is saying. I called you to repentance so that you could have a new heart. Well, you know what? I'm going to give you a new heart. And then you repent. So John is, is calling for the repentance. Now, the new heart appears suddenly standing on the bank of the Jordan River. So how can we describe this new heart? Well, you've seen it. When you go up to receive communion at the, at, the, at, the, at the high altar, you walk across the mosaics, and the first thing you see is the cross, which is the symbol of faith. And then the second thing, so trust, belief in God and his promises, uh, belief in, 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 in the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only belief that he is the Son of God, but trust in his promises. Casting your weight upon the Savior. And then hope, hope both for this life and the life to come. And then just before the altar rail is this heart. And it's a heart that's radiating flames of fire. And it's a heart, it's the heart of Jesus Christ. It's the heart that is perfectly on love, perfectly in love with God, and perfectly in love with his brothers and, and sisters. It's a heart that is, that is a repentant heart, which it's a human heart, which what does that mean, a repentant heart? It's a human heart that is perfectly turned towards God, perfectly obedient to God, perfectly, perfectly hearing and cherishing God. 
in the Bible, the heart is the center of human personality. It has, of course, the, 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 the aspect of emotion, but it's, it, the heart is what adores. The heart is what cherishes. The heart is what values. The heart is also where conviction and motivation come from. I'm going to give my people a new heart, and they will have a heart to walk in my ways. And uh, be witnesses of my glory to all the different families in the world and all the different kinds of people. We'll see how they live towards me and how they live towards each other. They will be, be drawn by the glory of my people. And they will come into a relationship with me. And, uh, and I will be their God. They will be my people. So here's this heart. And uh, it's the heart, this is, this is, this, these are the gifts that we get when we receive the bread and the wine. Now, in my office, in my study, I've, I've got a, a, a picture of this, of this heart. Um, it's, a, it's a prayer rug. It's, I'll tell you the story sometime. It comes from the bazaar in Tehran when Ayatollah Khomeini was in power. It was bought there. It's a picture of Jesus. He's got very soulful eyes, and the eyes can follow you wherever you go. And he's pulling his robe apart, and he's, 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 he's kind of, at the same time, pointing to his heart and pointing to you, and kind of wherever you go. You can't get away from this searching, uh, this searching and, and um, sacrificial gaze. And the heart is the heart that we have here at the altar. It's the heart of perfect love for God and perfect love for brothers and sisters. But there's, there are other symbols there. And one of the symbols there is that there is a, there's a crown of thorns that is encircling the heart. You'll see this. You've seen pictures of this. So what is that all about? Well, it's, it's, it is, it's the crown of thorns that's woven by human sin. And it's our thorny resistance to God. And it wounds the heart of the Savior. And it speaks to us of his profound sorrow over human sin, over human rebellion against God, over uh, how we live towards God and how we live towards each other. And then atop the heart is a cross. And, and the cross speaks to us of how it is by this persevering love that continues this heart that beats with love towards us despite our hardness, despite our thorny resistance. This life that is poured out for us that, that, that cracks our hearts of stone. And is victorious the cross and the resurrection of the Savior, this cross and passion and resurrection, this sacrificial love by which he vanquishes our resistance and brings forth a new life for us. And in the power of the Spirit that fills the promises of the prophet of Ezekiel and Jeremiah, that God would give his people a new heart. So that, that heart in person 
is standing on the banks of the Jordan, and he steps into the Jordan River, and he goes under the water. So he's immersed in our stony-hearted, thorny reality. Vanquishes. He vanquishes it by a sacrificial death. And he rises up again. And he rises up and makes baptism forever after the sacrament by which he takes away our hearts of stone and gives us his heart, his sacred heart of love for God and for each other. On the night in which he's betrayed, Jesus takes the bread and the wine and he associates them with what's coming, his saving death and resurrection. And he makes them ever after the way that we will be nourished, that we can feed on the life that's in him, the new life that breaks forth from the tomb. And he associates them ever after with his body. This is the way by feeding, by participating in this sacrament, by feeding on the, the body and, and, the, and the blood, the bread and the wine. This is the way that we are nourished and, and, and grow up into his full stature and become his body, his arms and his hands and his eyes and his voice in the world. He associates the bread and the wine with his body and blood and with his body, the church. And when he goes down into the waters of the Jordan River, He associates that water from henceforth with his saving death and resurrection and with his body and with his new heart and makes that water forever after the way in which there is implanted in us a new human nature, a new human heart makes it forever after the place where we get born again and regenerate. Now each one of us has received the gift of that new life in our baptism, that new heart, and that, that you know, the heart's a muscle, right? And so it needs to be exercised, it needs to be nourished, it needs to be exercised, it needs to be fed by the word, by the sacraments, by the fellowship of the church, by walking in such good works as God has given for us uh, to walk in. It can, it can, it can stay uh, small. It, 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 uh, it can be neglected. The baptism is the beginning of the Christian life. It's not a substitute for us. Or that heart can be fed. It can be uh, enlarged. It can grow as big as the hearts of the saints. It can be more and more conformed to the heart of Jesus Christ himself. Each one of us, when we were baptized, were given a new heart. And each one of us had been given a way to nourish that heart and to grow in love of God and love of each other. And to be restored and recreated and reconsecrated as God's people who behold his glory and are witnesses to his glory by the way we live towards God and towards each other, to the world, so that at last God may bring all of his children home. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.